0: You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons Limited series. Visit us at mashthosebuttons.com. On this episode, we enter Mother's Heart, meet the Asaram and the Karja, and prepare for the proving. Welcome to Episode 3 of Lightkeeper Protocol. The Lightkeeper Protocol, a podcast about our journey through Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. I am Jared Eaton, but you can call me Ja, and I am here with Christina, also known as Pop-Tart. Hello. And before we get started, I'd like to welcome any new listeners and also welcome back any returning listeners. Thanks for taking the time to check out Lightkeeper Protocol. Uh, if you want to talk Horizon Zero Dawn or Forbidden West, you should join us on Discord, which is mash.gg slash discord. And we have some channels in there, spoiler-free and non-spoiler-free, depending on how far along <laughs> you are in the game. Uh, so we'd love to see you there. All right, so before we get started, let's recap what we talked about last episode. Uh, we finally started playing its teenage Aloy the day before the Proving, but Rost was mysteriously missing. But we found him quickly. Uh, he said he had one more lesson to teach, which required some heavy firepower. So Aloy had to gather uh, both fire arrows and a Tripcaster. And once we collected those, we headed outside the gate for the first time and came across a new and dangerous machine, the biggest machine we've seen so far, the Sawtooth. And uh, Ross, he provided no assistance while Aloy took it down, and then he revealed his lesson that Aloy needs to think more about her, more than just about herself. And that her taking down the Sawtooth was a huge help for the village and the other Braves, and she needs to remember that the village... Uh, or the tribe, I should say, will need her once she becomes brave. So that's what Ross was trying to teach her. Also ran a call across a couple side quests as well, but that was the main gist of what we talked about. And now we are starting with Rost and Aloy outside of Mother's Heart, the the main village of the Nora tribe, the seat of the High Matriarchs, and what I, I guess you could call the jewel of uh. Of the Nora tribe. Are you ready?
1: Yes. I guess. It's louder than I expected.
0: You've never been
2: so close before.
1: I guess everything's bigger up close.
2: Soon it'll all seem familiar. Like home.
1: I don't know about that.
2: Look for High Matriarch Tirsa. She'll help you. Any other concerns?
1: Any final lessons before I headed?
2: No. You've learned every lesson the Wilds have to teach.
1: It was you who taught me, not the Wilds. Not sure my bow and spear will be much help in there, though.
2: It is with bow and spear that you'll win what you've wanted all these years, Aloy. Answers.
1: What should I expect once I'm inside?
2: There will be people celebrating and feasting. More than you've ever seen in one place. No other village compares to Mother's Heart. It is the seat of the High Matriarchs. A center of Nora life. A jewel of the Sacred Land. Give it time. And you'll grow fond of it. As I was. Back when I was at the tribe.
1: Are you sure they're gonna let me in?
2: (sighs) I've told you, Aloy. By law, any child outcast can run in the proving.
1: And any who pass are made braves and are outcasts no more. I know that. But not everyone follows the law like you do, Rost.
0: Have faith, Aloy. The tribe will honor your right. So, Aloy, she seemed a bit nervous uh, and hesitant, you know, trying to head in. Uh, I think it's funny because you can... So, this game does not do great with facial expressions on most of the characters. But the main characters, at least they did a much better job. Like, you know. Uh, at least I feel like it. Like I don't know. Maybe Ross's face always looks like he's sad. Maybe that's uh,
3: I think that's a choice. I though. I mean, I think he is always sad. So
0: <laughs> every time we've re- we've really seen him. Uh, but yeah, in this case, he he always looks like a, a little sad. Like we found him on the the the, the, the mountain top or the cliffside last you know episode. He looked like something's wrong. I mean, that was on purpose though, because. You know, Aloy is like, "What's up? Why is your face so long?" <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, you know, and what they did with with Aloy's face here is, you know, you've really seen her just have um, uh, either a confident face or like a angry face, but here she definitely seems a bit more uh, worried. You know, like she doesn't feel you. You can. She's not wearing her confidence on her face right now. You know.
3: Yeah. I mean, she's uh, really nervous. Um, I would be, too. It's, even going into Walmart, I'm like, oh, my God, what am I getting? Like, I get so nervous. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> so I totally get it. Um, I mean, she's trained all her life for this moment to then be at the gate about to go in. Like, I mean, I'd be nervous, too.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if it's really being nervous about the proving itself. I think she is. She's. I think she's actually pretty confident in her abilities. Uh, she is. Um, I think she's just nervous about being around all those people because that's what she's not really used to. Right? Like when she gets to the gate, she says, "Oh, it's louder than I expected." Which I mean, it's true. She's she's been an outcast her whole life. She's never really been around any celebrations. Not like the outcasts at least in the embrace get together anything like that, you know? So I mean look at uh Grata, like she won't even talk to her. She talks to All Mother <laughs> instead. <laughs> you know? So I think that's what she's uh more uh you know worried about. Even she she says something like uh she says something that like, you know, her her skills with a bow and spear won't help her in mother's heart, which is which is true. Like she doesn't need her warrior skills uh, you know, she needs her, her her social skills, which she probably doesn't have many. She's the only person she's talked to for 16 years is Rost. Right. And Karst. in Karst. She did talk to Karst. <laughs> so, there's that. But I'm pretty sure that wasn't like, you know, a major, like they were not having a major conversation. So, you know, Rossi does try to assure her that, uh, you know, eventually it will feel like home and. You know, she's he says, you know, he talks up Mother's Heart. says says the center of Nora life and the jewel of the sacred land. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Jewel of the Sacred Land. And um, yeah, and so he's like, you know, you're gonna it's gonna feel like home soon. Like, you know, once you get used to it, you'll be you'll be fine. And Ailish, I mean, she's even worried that they won't even let her in, you know, you know, because even though she's entitled to the to run the proving, she's you know, she says that you know, because Ross brings up that it's it's the law that she can be there. And she says, well, not everybody follows the law, like Rost. That's true. Because Karst is not following the law, that's for sure.
3: <laughs> I feel like people try, I mean, people try to follow the law. So, like, Rost follows the law a, a decent amount for being an outcast, I would say. A
0: decent amount? Yeah. I, I think he's al- almost to the letter. The only things I've really, we've really seen him relent on was him letting Aloy keep the focus. Right. Right. And then getting a tripcaster from Karst because he, had, he even didn't want her to go talking to Karst. He doesn't like her talking to Karst.
3: But he also but went I, outside of the gate, which he wasn't allowed to do, right?
0: No, I think he can go out the gate. Like what they can't do is leave the sacred land, which once uh, you get out the gate, okay. that's still the sacred it's, land. right? Yeah, that's still sacred land. So uh, the gate, everything inside the gate is what's called Mother's Embrace. And it's probably, well, it's the safest area in the game because it's the starting zone, but also because <laughs> they actively work to keep machines out of, um, out of that area. But you're going to see Nora, even after you get out the gate, you're going to see Nora all throughout uh, a certain area. Not throughout the game, but at least through a, uh, a certain area. And so I, after Aloy has talked to Rost a bit, she is ready to head in.
1: I'm ready to do this. See you back home in a few days?
0: You will not find me there, Aloy.
2: Here. Take this too. remember.
1: Why are you talking like we'll never see each other again?
2: No. No! You should be with the tribe. And I will always be an outcast.
1: But I told you, I have that figured out! I'll come to you in secret! I'll be the one breaking the law, not you. You don't even have to talk to me.
2: This attachment to me will only hold you back. It's my wish that you embrace the tribe. You've lived in isolation long enough.
1: Not until now I didn't.
2: For your sake, I must go where you will never find me. This... This is goodbye.
1: No, it's not. You taught me how to track. Wherever you go, I can follow.
2: Not this time.
1: This time. And every time. I'll be wearing this when I find you.
2: May all mother bless you, Egoi. And you.
0: So, you know, after... You know, when she's ready to go in, she's like, okay, I'll see you later. (laughs) You know, I'll see you at home in a few days. And then she finds out that Rasta is actually planning on disappearing. You know, he's planning on uh, getting lost because he doesn't want Aloy to be tempted to break, you know, tribal law. And he's also worried that her attachment will only hold. It's only going to hold her back, which is kind of true. Like, if he sticks around, if he's accessible, she's not going to. You know, after she wins the proving, she's going to get her prize, which is the answer she wants. And then she still won't really have that much of an attachment to the tribe. She's going to have more of an attachment to Rost. And if he's not around, she may be forced to stay attached, you know, to, to stay more attached to the tribe. And that's what Rost wants. That's what Rost wants for her.
3: Right. I mean, I'm not surprised. I'm I'm really not surprised when he's like, yeah, you're not. I'm, I'm out. Um, but I think that she would hunt for him no matter what. I think she would be like, you know what? Forget the tribe. I don't care. I'm going to look for him no matter what cost.
0: Right. Well, that's kind of like what her response Actually, right. you can have one of three responses, right? You can either like angrily say good Britons or I understand. Or you can say, you know, I'll find you. Like, like last of the Mohicans, you know, um, God, I, I wonder if the, the the podcast age is is old enough to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about?
3: Um, My memory is bad, so I do not.
0: Uh, but then if okay. you told me,
3: I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't say good written or I understand. I mean, I can't be mean to Rust. Like, no, you know, this way. is a mass effect, right? <laughs> <laughs> this this isn't Mass Effect, there's no Renegade playthrough here, like, I'm just, you know, I can't really be mean to Rost, and you know, I chose this, obviously, this is my second playthrough, this is my second time, but that's exactly what she tells Rost, that she knows how to track, and that she'll track him down, but Rost is kind of like, not this time, you know, like, you won't be able to find me, and, you know, she's saying that she definitely will find him, and Rost gave her like a trinket, you know, and she's like, I'll be wearing this when I I, I find you, (laughs) you know, and I think it's like her, like, you know, this is the first time you really hear her kind of talk like this, because she usually talks with a lot of confidence. She doesn't really talk with a lot of emotion unless it's like anger, <laughs> you know. Uh, but like, uh, yeah, this is the first time she's like, no, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll definitely find you. Uh, you know, she, I mean, Ross has been her everything, right? Ross has been the only person who's taken care of her her entire life, so... You know, they they both, you know, they're about to part ways and they give each other's, you know, each other's an all mother's blessing, and that's it. And, you know, right before she heads in, she's like, I have to let him go for now. But she definitely plans on, at least with the dialogue option I picked, she definitely plans on going after him or looking for him after the fact. Which I'm not going to blame her. Like, you know, there, she has absolutely no reason to attach herself to the tribe none
3: right like i said before like she just wants her answers like she really doesn't care and to me regardless she kind of seems like the person that would want an answer to the world itself not just what she's seeking so i feel like that's kind of the path that she would take is i'm gonna go because eventually she has to leave right so it's right. like, uh, I want to figure out what's going on and I'm going to find Ross. Like I, it's, there's no way she can stay there.
0: Right. Yeah. Just that, that's, it doesn't make sense for her to do so. Like mean, that like, you know, unless they drop like a bombshell or once she's inside the, the tribe or, um, you know, the, the matriarchs tell her like some crazy, so, you know, something crazy that makes her want to stay and investigate that more. Right. You know, that's something, but. If she just gets the answer and that's the end of it, she's going to go after Rost here, <laughs> you know, so uh, she heads to the gate and she's met by two guards that don't want to let her in. You will turn back outcast or bleed
4: your choice. Make way,
3: make way Braves stand aside. She is welcome here. Mother's heart is open to you, child. Come. I assure you,
0: most Nora aren't so rude as those idiots. You're... Tirsa? (laughs) Who else would I be? Come on now. I've been waiting for this day a long time. You have? Oh yes. But for the moment, I must leave you. I have other outsiders to keep safe tonight.
1: You... what?
5: Envoys from another tribe, the Karja. Come to observe the proving and oh,
0: how the Nora hate the Karja. Karja? But that's my problem. We will talk later. In the meantime, enjoy the festival. Oh, down the path to the right you'll find an old friend who can't wait to see you.
1: But I don't know anyone here.
0: (laughs) Try telling him that. We will talk later. May the Goddess protect. What is going on? Yeah, so just like she thought the guards at the front didn't want to let her in, you know, they were pretty much like, you know, turn around or we're going to, we're going to, like, you know, turn around or bleed is what they say. So they're threatening uh, violence. Even though I do think this would be a bit more impactful if they didn't hint that this might happen in the first place, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so they kind of hinted it and then it happens immediately. Uh, but we, I mean, we already knew that the tribe really disliked outcasts. But, you know, this kind of continues to trend. You might think that the Braves were, were a little different because of how they were at the encounter at the gate, right? You know, because when Ross did the whistle and they let him through and he nodded at them, they nodded to him. You know, that's it. But they weren't like, you know, you ain't going, you, you're not getting out here. You know, we're not going to open this gate for you. They weren't mean to him. Yeah, I was,
3: it. I was fully expecting her to like whistle <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> to get into the gate, like, oh, she just has to whistle. But like, no, because Ross is is known and he like he said before he's um, oh what's the word like has honor yeah 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 so like nobody knows who she is except that she's an outcast
0: right yeah I just didn't expect them to be like dicks like that to to, to her you know what I'm saying I mean they don't have to be like nice like oh welcome outcast like you know they don't (laughs) don't have to do anything like that but you know they they did have the option to keep their mouth shut
3: which is (laughs) the law so
0: yeah that's true so, but you know, she's not an outcast while this celebration's going on. I mean, it is her right. So, but they were just being uh just being mean to her. So uh but high matriarch Tirsa intervenes now. We we met her early in the game, you know, besides Rost. Well, she's technically speaking the third person we meet in the game's opening, right? Because you meet Rost, he pulls out Aloy, and then boom, now you have uh then the Tirsa, you know. Just but, pulls uh, out you know.
3: Aloy from his pocket. I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I guess what happened he pulled her out like bam didn't have a name yet he pulled it out <laughs> so uh but you know she she actually tells oh she apply, she apologizes for the guards first of all and you know she tells Aloy she's been waiting for this for a long time and just the way Tirsa has dealt with Aloy and Rost in the past right Um, uh, you know her showing up to Aloy's naming ceremony uh and her you know being the person to meet Aloy here And, you know, being so kind and nice to her, it feels like, you know, Tiersa, uh, because, you know, she's a high matriarch and she has other high matriarchs. They're the ones who make the decisions. Um, You know, it feels like she did not want to make Aloy an outcast as a baby. And she probably got outvoted by the other matriarchs.
3: Yeah. I mean, she definitely has a connection to her. Um, She sees her just as like another child of hers i guess like she comes in with open arms just like talking to her like like i'll go to a function and i'm like yo what's up and they're like hey x y and z is happening but i gotta bounce you know like that's like literally <laughs> how she was talking to her like she was very familiar like you know we've spoken before even though they haven't which i totally forgot because of meeting her so early in the game i forgot that like they didn't have that interaction
0: right exactly like she. Obviously, she knows who Aloy is because, one, she's a high matriarch. They had to make a decision to kick her out. But, two, she's the naming ceremony. So, she knows Aloy. Aloy does not know her. You know, so. But there's a lot going on at this at this proving in particular uh, because there's another group of outsiders. That's, she said she had to go and protect another group of outsiders, the Karja. And this is the first time, uh, you know, we hear about them. In the game, they're definitely a major player in the story, and they've come to observe the Proving, but the Nora hate the Karja. And you quickly find out why through a lot of dialogue. <laughs> There's a, this whole Proving section does a, a ton of world building. You find out a lot about the Nora. You find out a good amount about the Karja. It basically sets the stage for the world that you're going to enter when you leave the Embrace because you know like i said we're we're going gonna to get into it shortly here but you know the events that happened and why the why the nora hate the karja uh you know have affected this entire region <laughs> you know let's say um but um yeah they're they're here for the first time in a long time <laughs> and they because i i guess at some well they definitely at some point were trading uh, the nora were trading with the karja which is kind of weird because the the Nora are known for being very, I don't want to say standoffish, but they're very isolated, right? And um, I actually do like, uh, they they you find out why they're so isolated as well, like why the Nora doesn't really interact with other, uh, I don't want to say races, but they're tribes. <laughs> so, uh, but before leaving, before Tearsail left, she said that Aloy has an old friend waiting to see her, and Aloy is like, what are you talking about? I don't know anybody here. As far as she's concerned, Tirsa is her only friend, <laughs> you know, at this place.
3: I was going to say, I do like how they did the world building too, just kind of leading up to this point And like in, in this entire area, um, because most games have this trope where they introduce you a character to this place that you've always been and re-explain things that the character would already have knowledge of. Right. So it's very, annoying very tutorial feeling whereas they're explaining things to you for the first time because you're an outcast you don't know any of this information and they did a really good job setting that up because that's a big pet peeve of mine in the beginning of games it's like you already know this information but let me just re-explain it to you just because
0: Yeah, it's like oh, I have to explain so you can, Okay, yeah, (laughs) you're so forgetful, character. Yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) You don't remember how to swing your sword, crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I know exactly what you're talking about. So it definitely leaned into the. They leaned into her being an outcast, right? That was great because now every time somebody explains something to the world, you're both learning it, right? You know, so yeah. Another some other games they get away with that trope with. by doing like a time skip that the character missed, mm-hmm. you know, like Wolfenstein did that Wolfenstein, the, like the new Wolfenstein did that where BJ was like, you know, in a coma for, I forget, I think it's like five years or something like that, maybe a little longer and he comes back and everything's different. And you're like, what, where have you been in a coma? He's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you know. So, but uh, yeah, so you do have a friend that is waiting for you. Uh, And that confused Aloy when Tirsa says, hey, there's a friend. You have an old friend waiting for you. And that old friend is actually Teb. (laughs) It's actually Teb from uh, little Aloy's part where she saved Teb from the machines. It is Aloy, isn't it? I'm remembering your name correctly.
1: Are you the old friend Tirsa told me about? I don't know you.
5: (laughs) I see you don't recognize me. Well, it was a long time ago. Teb is my name. You were half my size when you saved me from a herd of machines.
1: I remember. You tried to thank me.
5: I never forgot that day. All these years, I hope to see you again, if you came to run in The Proving. As you can see, I didn't turn out to be much of a hunter. I served the tribe as a stitcher instead. A maker of garments and armor. In preparation for this day, I've made an outfit for you. I hope you like it.
1: What's it going to cost?
5: Cost? (laughs) Nothing. Consider the thanks I tried to give years ago. Long overdue. Seems to fit you perfectly.
1: Uh, Thank you, Teb. I've never had anything like this before.
5: Well, it's yours. I think you'll find it affords more protection than what you were wearing. Every outfit offers some advantage. It's always a trade-off. Anyway, I shouldn't keep you any longer. Head for the Matriarch's Lodge if you want to find Tirsa. You'll know it when you see it. A large wooden building with an angry mob waiting outside.
1: Tirsa said something about envoys from another tribe?
5: Yes, that's what the mob's angry about. Karja visiting our sacred land for the first time in years. I'd expect to see some tomatoes flying, maybe
0: rocks, hopefully not spears. In any case, be ready to duck. So Aloy doesn't actually recognize him at first, and he reminds her that, hey, you saved my life. And then she's like, oh, yeah, you're the guy who tried to thank me before his commanding officer came over and did what the other Braves are doing. Don't talk to those dirty outcasts, you know, or, you know, whatever he was going to say. But, yeah, he uh, turned out Tib. If you couldn't tell, he wasn't much of a hunter, <laughs> you know. Uh, so he actually became what's called a stitcher. So he he makes armor and clothes, and he actually made Aloy special armor for the proving. And this is there's a little tutorial here too because uh, you know Aloy she thanked him for the armor, and he's like, yeah, uh, you know, he, he says something like, um, he says every outfit has an advantage. There's always a trade-off. Which is kind of letting you know, like, hey, you know, you you'll gain something, but lose we'll something with each outfit, which is true. That the outfits in this game mm-hmm. more so than the skill tree will uh, kind of bend to your play style. Uh, I would say
3: that's good to know because he said that, and I was looking at the other outfits, and I like was like this is using too much of my brain power. I'll just take what he gives me and go
0: <laughs> yeah the first outfit he gives you is perfectly fine, but later on like so there's only a few outfits I think there's four I think there's four outfits, but there are three tiers of them, like you'll have the uncommon, you have the epic and you have the uh the uncommon rare I figure rare there we go. uncommon rare and then the epic and each of those types of art like i said the, the each one is the same type of armor or clothing but they're just a different uh tier you know uh so you can just and ultimately what they do with the clothing i'm pretty sure the stats increase a bit the same stats will just increase and you get more modification slots
3: oh that makes that- sense.
0: Yeah, but like, you know, if you want to be stealthy, like if that's how you want to play, there's one that's definitely there for stealth. Uh, I think there's one that's there that helps you. uh, If you like to apply elemental damage, like that's how you like to fight, then that's what you'll that's the one you're going to get. One has more armor. Uh, There is a very special armor that you can get in the game, but you pretty much got to play almost the entire game to get it. And we're going to get to that once we get outside. Uh, <laughs> well, it makes the thing is like it, I think you get it toward the end of the game. I think Mike might have missed it the first time, too, when he played. Like, he might have actually missed it. You can beat the game without it. But, man, it really helps Like if you, if you have it at the end I'll of the keep,
3: game. I'll uh, keep my eye out on it. I'm expecting to try to get everything in the game as much as possible yeah. i'm just scared it's going to open up and i'm going to get overwhelmed but we'll see
0: uh. <laughs> you will see like th- this in particular armor every piece that you need because you have to get these batteries to get it mm-hmm. every battery is some place you have to go like you have to go to these places you don't have to go off the beat in the path to get the batteries i don't think i'm pretty sure each battery is somewhere you have to go okay so it's not it's not that difficult. They want you to get the armor, so and then on top of that, like when I got that armor, uh, I pretty much finished the game shortly after that. But in your case, you're going to get the armor probably and then go play Frozen Wilds. So that's like another eight to ten hours.
3: Oh, <laughs> true.
0: Yep. Yeah, so there you go. That's is the, the benefit. <laughs> but um, you know uh, he. Uh, He tells Aloy that she's looking for Tirsa. She's at the High Matriarch's Lodge. And there's an angry crowd out there. You know, they're pissed off about the Karja being in the Sacred Land for the first time in years, he says. So, he says, just be be prepared to duck because they might be throwing things. Uh, But before you even get there, you do get to explore the festival a bit more. Like, just walking. I mean, it's still, it is a linear section. But you get to kind of see what's going on. Like, you know, it's a very festive feeling. Uh, There are people playing drums, they're dancing, they gather around, they're eating, they're talking. Uh, There's even one spot where there is a a matriarch, not a high matriarch, but like I guess a a lower tier matriarch is telling the story of the Nora from a religious perspective. And I want to note that from a religious perspective, because when you actually get to a certain part of the game, you will know the origins of pretty much all the tribes actually uh so yeah like you get to know the or like how they view their origin because the karja i'm pretty sure also have their own i'm pretty sure the karja has their own uh story to how they came to be and then you actually kind of get the well no this is what really happened <laughs> like this is how uh you know they they traveled but uh so you know she's telling were you gonna say something
3: oh i was just gonna say yeah because like i sat I sat through that and I was like, uh, ugh. Like the whole like I watched the whole thing and I was like, all right, here we go.
0: Yeah, it does take it does take a while. So uh but at least it feels like a while because you're playing a game and now you're just sitting listening to somebody talk. Right. And tell a folk tale, essentially. Right. Uh but according to the matriarchs, uh, all beings were created by All Mother. And for a time they lived side by side in harmony, and eventually Uh, you know, some men or or some of them grew greedy and they uh, wanted more. And I, I actually, I did want to specify that when they say all beings, they mean man, animals, and machines. Okay. So man, animals, and machines, all of them created by all mother. And they live side by side. So the people who wanted more and became greedy are what they call the faithless ones. They call them the faithless. And uh, they wanted more from all mother they weren't happy with what all Mother gave them, and so the machines promised to serve the faithless and build them a better world than all mother could and the faithless left with the machines while the Norse stayed uh, with all mother <laughs> and uh, the machines originally they they did create the cities for the faithless, but eventually a machine called the Metal Devil became the king of the machines and became so powerful that the faithless started to serve it. And the Metal Devil wasn't content with that. It wanted all men to serve it. So, and it became angry that the Nora wouldn't. So it attacked All Mother. And All Mother struck it down. So I'm not sure if you noticed in, on the map. If you look on the map, I think it's in the southern part of the embrace. There is a large black machine wrapped around a mountain. Or like it goes in and out of a mountain. Did you see that?
3: I did not. So when I was sitting through that, the reason I said "ug" is because it was like a super religious, like we're the the holy ones and they're the the sinners that went out to praise the devil. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: it 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 is very much that.
3: (laughs) Um, but I, it's like, oh, you can still see him right up on that mountain over there, and I looked around, I was like, I don't see anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the. I'm pretty sure it is the exact opposite direction of mother's heart you can see it on the map early like it's there definitely and if you go over to that part of the map you can also see it like you can see this thing called the metal devil it looks like a huge machine
3: mm-hmm. with
0: like tentacle claws that's what it looked like
3: all i'm thinking uh, is like the um um which mccall it's from zelda i'm trying to say the ruin guards what are they called is that what they are
0: oh from uh, breath of the wild yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. This no, This looks definitely like a machine. Okay. <laughs> like it, it looks. It doesn't look like a robot. Like like a like you know a robot horse or anything like that. It definitely looks like a machine. So, but you can definitely you can see it. But that's how they say. Like look, look, see. It's right there. That's the metal devil, and all mother struck it down. And the reason the machines, according to them, became like have like have the minds of beasts is because they were driven mad by the death of the metal devil and the faithless were forced to wander around without the help of the machines. Uh, you know, after that, and only the Nora remained the true children of all mother. So yeah, they have a holier than that. This is, this is their, we are the chosen people speech, right? Like, you know? <laughs> this is, that's, this is like, we are the chosen people. Like we're the ones who stay faithful to all mother. And um, I would say, take note of this. An audience, take note of this explanation because when you get the actual explanation, um, you get to like you'll you'll get to see where they embellished a bit and where they were close to you know what what actually happened. Um, to to get the full story, of course, in a game like this, you do need to find certain documents. Uh, you need to find certain audio logs and and things like that. You do need to find to get the full story. And what we'll do later on is uh once we get to that part of the game where a lot of this stuff gets explained yeah if if it's not in like let's say the main quest or side quests where we do the audio i'll probably just go through it and explain a little bit of the, nu- the nuance uh, of the world so you can kind of get a a full picture so um but uh here's a quick fun fact about their world actually about how the nora uh operate like from a like a I guess a government perspective. So, you know, we have the high matriarchs and then you have like the lesser matriarchs underneath them, right? And you would probably think that's that's kind of uh determined by age, but it's not actually. Uh the matriarch status is determined by how many living progeny a woman has, not her age. So, if you have uh, You know, a woman who's like a great, great grandmother and her daughter had a bunch of children and her daughter had a bunch of children. Like, you know, like it's like it's like a big matriarch pyramid scheme, <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> depending on how many uh, children, or how many progeny, I guess, you know, that, that they have. They that's how they determine who is who are the high matriarchs and who like who else is in between, yep. you know.
3: Yeah, I caught that actually. And I was like, oh, really? Like, it's. I don't want to say it doesn't take much to be, you know, a grandparent. But I guess in this world, you know, maybe people don't live as long. It's very easy for people to die. I don't know. So to have like two generations under you is a lot. But I was just like, man. Mm,
0: maybe. But I don't think I, I, that's a, that's kind of a bad. Uh, qualifier if you ask <laughs> me like what if this person has no business determining <laughs> how the tribe is gonna run like they have no business well, but because they have a bunch of grandkids like ee, grandkids and great-grandkids <laughs> you know is a, a, a little, lot like yeah yeah like what if what if one of the matriarchs like had like six kids and they're all women <laughs> you know what i'm saying And another woman has like, you know, six kids and they're like three girls and three boys. Like that's not a great qualifier (laughs) for that, for, for, for in that position about, because you also, these women, they determine, you know, if you committed a crime, if you, you know, did something that, that, that tainted yourself for the village, like, Oh, you went, you, you went to this place without permission, you're tainted you what happened to Karst like you went to a a ruin you're tainted now you're an outcast for five years you know that's the thing so I don't know I guess it's working for them to a degree is it though yeah Yeah. is it (laughs) that's true so now another thing I did find interesting is that if an entire generation of progeny dies that matriarch is demoted to a lesser status so
3: I didn't, didn't catch that or hear that, so.
0: Yeah, so, like, if, you know, I think that would be something that's, like, rare, you know, that's probably pretty rare for a, uh, like, your grandchildren, your children your grandchildren to die before you. <laughs> but if that tragedy does strike a matriarch, on top of that, they get demoted into until low, until lower status.
3: What happens if their child, but not their Grandchildren die, so their children die, but not their grandchildren die.
0: Well, it has to be an entire generation. So let's say if you have three children, right,
4: Mm
0: and um, you have you have three children, and all three of them die, that's an entire generation. But like, let's say their children live, then it's still you know you just get a lesser status, (laughs) you know. So instead of being three levels in the pyramid, you're two levels basically
3: the pyramid scheme of <laughs> oh my goodness you
0: yeah the high matriarch pyramid scheme <laughs> <laughs> it's all a game folks it's all a game <laughs> so uh but yeah so you know you're on your way to the high matriarch large lodge you actually run the Karst on your way there and he's like hey chill like don't uh you need to act like you don't know me. Please don't act like I sold you things in the wild. <laughs> you know, because that was very illegal.
3: I love that because he's like, "Hey, Aloy,
0: hey <laughs> oh,
3: what's <yeah>. up?" <laughs> like just screaming. He's like, shh, "Shh, shh, don't let anyone know that we know each other." I'm like, "Bro, you <laughs> just called me over here." <laughs> like,
0: yeah, seriously, uh, like, that's, that is a funny thing. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> think about the fact that he did that. It's like, hey, hey, sh- I don't know you. Shh, <laughs> you know. That's probably an oversight by the developers, <laughs> you know, uh, or maybe the the voice director. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, she asks why he's there and he kind of admits that he gets lonely every now and again. <laughs> so, you know, he's uh, comes to comes to the proving, I guess, at least once a year to, uh, you know, get his fix of people. And he's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm out of here, <laughs> you know. Uh, But uh, yeah, he says he is looking forward to seeing her win the proving he kind of I think he's looking more forward to seeing the shock looked on everybody's faces when she wins. That's what he's looking for, because there's a lot of smug people, as we've seen here, a lot of smug people. So uh, you can look into his inventory and there are new bows in his inventory. Did you look in his inventory?
3: I did. But the same thing with the outfits. I'm like, you know what? This is too much for my brain right now. I'm just going to let it go.
0: Well, I don't know if the outfits have it, but the bows definitely have it. If you can like hover over the bow and just watch the tutorial for the bow, and it tells you everything you need to know about that bow. Like you don't really have to look at the stats.
3: Oops, I did not do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does so. Uh, but you know, because you have a hunter's bow, which is a pretty well-rounded bow, uh, but the other bows, they shoot different types of ammo, they have different damage, and they have different ranges sometimes. So like there's the war bow, which used the fire elemental uh which you can you can use to put targets in vulnerable states like i don't think we have really had to deal with that the only thing you you see so far when you shoot a target is that that little knockout meter you know to knock Mm -hmm. it unconscious for a, a, a short period of time but when you shoot elemental payloads you also see that meter and once it it fills up it turns, and you know, it, it turns a it sad. So if you'll see, like, the fire meter go up, and eventually, like, the thing will set on fire. If it's shock, it'll get shocked. If it's, uh, ice, it'll freeze. And I don't know if I've said it on this show. Always freeze everything. I'm gonna say that every time. <laughs> <laughs> always freeze. Pretty much. It's gonna... Even things that aren't susceptible to ice are actually susceptible <laughs> to ice. So, um it's it, you'll you'll see you'll see what I'm talking about, <laughs> but um yeah, but the war bow is is great for that, especially on certain enemies that don't take a good amount of normal damage uh the sharp shot bow is slow firing but it's like super accurate at long range, so it's a sharp shot bow it's a sniper bow <laughs> you know <laughs> essentially um but uh you do get some other bows that attach to that bow that's actually that are actually pretty cool um but yeah, all the bows are going to get a workout. I will guarantee you. Like you, I don't think uh, I don't think you're going to just not use a bow. Oh yeah, I'm going to be gonna, perfectly I'm, honest with you.
3: I'm using my bow <laughs> a yeah,
0: lot. Like all all of the bows, I'm pretty. You, you will get. A, you'll get a workout. You'll find a reason to use them all. So, um. So here's also another quick tip. If you didn't realize it, because during my first playthrough, I didn't realize this until I was a good. I was pretty deep into the game every weapon you get has a tutorial attached to it you have to activate it and when you activate it it's a it's actually a, a a quest and it gives you xp
3: okay so that's something that happened to me last time that i forgot to bring up is i had the tri- i got the trip caster and it was like hit two enemies and i did that and it didn't go through and i'm like what the heck is up with this i guess i just didn't activate it
0: you have to activate it that's <sighs> the thing like you can't just You can't just do it like you actually have to go to the menu and activate the tutorial and make it your main objective. And then then it works. So hopefully they fix that in Forbidden West. Like if you just do the thing, it just pops up like, ah, you did this. Yeah, I hope so.
3: I was so upset that I was like, you know what? I don't even care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, based off of where you told me you are right now. I think you're actually going to get a, good, a a lot of use out of it soon. So you'll, you'll be able to do that tutorial in no time. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you leave Karst, and uh, you make it to the High Matriarch's uh, Lodge, and people are upset. They're out, they're out in front of the Lodge. They're yelling. They're shouting. We do see the third High Matriarch finally. Her name is Jezza. She speaks for like two seconds. And then Tirsa comes back on the stage. So, but (laughs) at least you did see the third high matriarch. Uh, And I guess it's because, I don't know, like, it's a little weird to me. There's three high matriarchs. And I mean, honestly, all throughout the game, I honestly cannot remember Jezza being a big part of anything.
3: Maybe she's just quiet. She kind of seems like someone that might get bossed around a little bit more because the other two are a lot more vocal.
0: Maybe I mean because you got Tirsa, who is your like wicked witch of the east type situation, and then you have uh, Lansra, who is definitely the like you know the the, the more like ah why is she here?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know she's your you know she's your wicked witch of the west. But uh, Tirsa, she's trying to calm the crowd down, you know, saying they've been at peace with the Karja for two years, so obviously they weren't at peace before. And it's time to reestablish trade with Meridian, which is the the capital, the Karja capital city. So we now, at this point, we know they had trade. Something happened where they weren't at peace, and now they're back at peace again. So the Karja envoy starts to talk, and the crowd starts throwing things at him, and they're they're uh, shouting killers and slavers. And then that's when we meet hey, Aaron.
6: Hey, hey! On, Hold your fruit, Nor.
0: Oh. Nora Faithful,
6: hold your fruit. Now, I'm Azoram, not Karja, so I'll put it to you straight. The 13th Sun King was a murderous bung. Oh, he was. He was a tyrant and a monster he raided my tribe for blood sacrifice just like yours. My own sister was taken. I hated the Karja. But the 13th King is dead. Two years now. now who killed him? The 14th. Not because he he lusted for power, but because someone had to put an end to his father's atrocities. Yeah! Yeah. The message that this poor priest means to read is an apology. Straight from the lips of the 14th king. So please, can't you lend him your ears?
0: And so Aaron, he is Asaram, not Karja. And he, through his little speech... You know, he gives a little background on what actually has happened in this world recently. And um a lot of this is new to Aloy, because I guess uh Ross didn't really talk about it, but you know, he uh he says that you know, he says he talks about the 13th Sun King and basically calls him like an ass, like an asshole or whatever, right? And he says that he hated the card to the Karja kidnapped, you know, what, what the Karja were doing apparently was they were kidnapping people from other tribes and using them for blood sacrifices and the carger raided his village and he took his sister and he brings up you know that the 14th son king is the one who killed the 13th son king because he knew his father needed to be stopped and that's who they're here representing they're here representing the 14th son king so he understands why the Nora are so angry at the Karja? They have every right, especially if the Karja raided their towns and uh, you know took their people for sacrifice. But he's like, look, this is not the same. This is not the same Karja. You know, it's not your father's Karja, right? You know, it's, it's <laughs> one of those things. Uh, this is a different Karja with a new with a new king uh, that has you know stopped the blood sacrifices and, and, and things like that. So clearly, a, a lot has happened in this world they're really setting you up for what you're gonna see on the the outside right because you know we have this whole thing with the 13th sun king killing people kidnapping people and then his own son kills him to stop this madness you know uh so you know while the envoy is reading this apology because that's what he actually brought he's reading an apology Aloy's focus lights up and it's picked up another focus in the area and I mean obviously this is a huge thing for Aloy she's like what's going on so she goes over there and she starts talking to this person who has a focus
1: you're the only other person I've ever seen wearing a focus where did you get yours
4: what Anora wearing one of these that's impossible your tribe fears the old places forbids them
1: who says I'm like other Nora.
4: Why, well, I, uh, I guess you're not. If you've gone delving in the ruins of the metal world, ah!
1: what's wrong?
0: Apologies, uh, malfunction. Oh, yeah. you well, know, her, she is super excited about this. <laughs> you know, she's super, like, oh my god, like you have one of these two. I haven't seen a single other person with this, you know. And, he, I think, and he's just surprised that Aloy has one, considering that the Nora supposed to stay away from ruins. And she's like, well, I'm not like other Nora, you know.
3: So with a focus, too, because I know the focus said unknown device. Is it just saying that it doesn't know what it is or that it's an unknown focus? Like it hasn't come in contact with it before because they look completely different.
0: Uh, Well, I think it just means it hasn't come into contact with it. They don't look. The only difference is the color.
3: I feel like his ha- looked more round. I don't know what hers looks like, I guess, when she's using it, but his looks round. I thought hers was like a triangle. Well,
0: well hers is a triangle, but his is a triangle, too. That round thing is like a yeah. hologram. That's just uh, like... Oh, okay. Because remember, when when her, when it started to light up, her thing went round as well. So that kind of tells me... Maybe it's like a volume dial or something like that for the focus. <laughs>
3: Maybe. <laughs> I was thinking maybe it's different types, like if they have different types of focuses, like, you know, you have different types of cars. I don't know.
0: Maybe. I mean, it could be a different model focus. Um, But, uh, yeah, she, you know, she is, like, very excited about what she's seeing right now. She's like, you know, this this is her first time seeing somebody else with another focus. Uh, But, um, you know, they start talking just a little bit. And all of a sudden, like, um, you know, he kind of winces. And uh, he says, "Oh, don't worry about it. It's just a malfunction." And then when Aaron comes over and he interrupts and you know starts talking to Aloy, as Olin walks away. Olin,
6: oh, you making friends with locals? Are we?
0: I'll,
4: I'll come back. Wait. No. Uh, we'll talk later. Have to go.
6: Whoa. Well, I guess he's more hungover than I thought. <laughs> Hey, you got the same trinket that Olin has on his head. Since when did those become fashionable?
1: His name is Olin? Who is he? And where did he get one of these?
6: Ah, he's just a scrounger with friends in high places. He spends half his time digging for artifacts, the other half drinking or dicing. As for the trinket, I guess he dug it up somewhere. Just a weird old jewel he sticks on his face. No offense, it looks great on you.
1: What else do you know about Olin?
6: Is he really that interesting? I'm starting to get jealous. Well, he scours the wilds for ruins, digs up stuff, and sells it to nobles. When he's not scrounging, he's scouting. Exactly the skills you want the man guiding your expedition to have. I've known him for a few years. He's a loyal companion, cares for his family, holds his drink well enough. I like him. But besides that, not much to tell.
0: And so, you know, Alois, she does ask about Owen's focus. And Aaron, he's not really concerned about it. Like, he's just like, eh. I figured, he, like, he just found a dig because Owen apparently is like a scavenger, right? Like he digs and finds artifacts, and then he, uh, you know, sells them to to nobles. Aloy is like kind of pressing Aaron about Owen because that's his name. You know, Aaron tells you his name. You know, he's just kind of like, there's not much to the story. He says says that uh, sorry, Olin is a a loyal companion, but there's nothing much, you know, there's not much besides besides that to him. But clearly that can't be true with everything that just happened. He's the first character that you see with a focus. He reacted weird uh, when the focus, you know, quote unquote, malfunctioned, right? And then he was like super, he's like, I need to go. (laughs) You know, he needed to get away from Aloy. So clearly it's not true.
3: Does Aaron know what the focus is, though, because he's like, oh, that's just like a jewel on his head. Like he doesn't seem to know that it's an actual device.
0: No, I don't believe he knows what it is, you know, because I mean, the other tribes, right, They seem they don't really seem to have a problem going into ruins and stuff like that and you know aaron he does you know in, in, in this kind of same dialogue options that you're going to get here he does talk about the the Asuram and how there are tons of ruins where they're from so they're used to going down there and seeing stuff and do keep in mind right that the ruins just look like ruins until you put a focus on your head right right the yeah it's like the ruins just look like metal ruins until you put a focus on your head and then you can see all the controls. So if you've never had a focus, you'd never know, you know? So for him, he, you know, Owen probably finds tons of stuff in the ruins and they just kind of look cool. You know, uh, you know, he probably sold a floppy disk to, uh, to <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> to, to one of the nobles for, for a higher price than they should have paid for it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think you're right. Like, oh, like Aaron's just like, eh, something he found, some toy. Like, you know, even even Ross thought it was a toy. Right. So, uh, yeah, but she, she does have some other questions for him, and it provides a ton of good information in, in, in the game uh, on, on this world. So she asked about the Red Raids. She never heard of.
1: I thought your friend was going to go down in a hail of fruit, but you really calmed the crowd.
6: Uh, thanks. I-, I wasn't sure I could do it. The Nora is still pissed with the Karja about the Red Raids, and who can blame them?
1: I never heard anything about Red Raids growing up. What were those?
6: Your tribe was at war and you didn't even know? (laughs) Were you kept hidden away? Did you have overprotective parents or something?
1: I grew up as an outcast, shunned by the tribe.
6: Oh, yeah, I've heard the Nora do that. That seems cruel, if you ask me. But even an outcast knows about the derangement of the machines, right? How they get deadlier every year? Well, the mad Sun King figured if he spilled enough blood to the sun god it would calm the machines. Didn't work. But for years he raided the tribes and took captives for sacrifice. My sister among them. The Nora put up a good fight, but lives were lost.
1: So what happened? How did it all end?
6: The Mad King's own son united Karja rebels with Asaram freebooters. and Together we did the impossible, took back Meridian, and killed the crazy old king. So now the son sits on the throne, and it's a big improvement. Under Avad, there's no more sacrifices, no more slavery. People from all tribes are welcome in Meridian now, even Nora exiles. You really should come visit.
0: So Aaron, he was like super surprised about that. And then she said, "You know, I was an outcast, right? Like I, I lived outside the tribe." Because he's like, "What do you mean your tribe was at war and you didn't even know?" And she's like, "No, because I was an outcast." You know, why would they? Why would you? But I am a little surprised that rost never said anything about it you know
3: yeah i was going to say that because this is a this is what the second time that you just said it happening and it's a continuous theme as you're finding out this information where people are like you didn't know about this and i'm wondering if it's just like rost either doesn't know because he doesn't want to talk to people um to break the law right or he is shielding aloy or he just doesn't care
0: that is true. That is true because he has been an outcast for a long time. He's been an outcast for a long time, and the High Matrix probably really only talked to him to give him Aloy. So right. they may not have told him. So he, you're right. He may not have known because it was something he, he, because you know Rasta is very loyal to the Trot. So if it's something he, he did know it's just really surprising that he wouldn't say anything to Aloy about it because he'd want her to know because he wants her to get closer to the tribe. Right. You know? So, but, um, yeah, so she didn't know he, Aaron was like, oh, sorry, I didn't really, uh, sorry, (laughs) I didn't know you were an outcast. (laughs) And he even says that he thinks it's a bit inhumane, but, uh, but then he did bring up something called the derangement of the machines. And he says, you know, every year the machines have been getting more aggressive. Now, I don't think Rost mentioned it by name, but he kind of talked about it when he brought up the sawtooth, right? He's saying, you know, the machines are getting more and more dangerous. 10 years ago, the sawtooth showed up, right? And Aloy wouldn't know anything about the derangement because she's lived inside the embrace her entire life. You know, she, she, she wouldn't know. Uh, so apparently the sun King, the 13th sun King, uh, you know, he knew about the derangement. Everybody knew about the derangement because the machines were getting, Um, you know, more and more aggressive. The Sun King thought that if he sacrificed enough people, it would calm the machines down. Obviously, it did not not work. (laughs) It did not work. So he he just, he's like, I guess, I guess they want more blood. So (laughs) he just kept doing it. Uh, He raided tribes and took the captives uh, for sacrifice. And one of those tribes was the Nora. One of those tribes was the the Asaram. And the king's, in a raid, you know, the raids ended when the Mad King's son united Karja Rebels and Asaram Freebooters. They took back Meridian and they killed the king. And, you know, the new king, which is his name is Avad, uh, he ended sacrifices and slavery. And now he actually welcomes all tribes to Meridian. You know, so that's, that's basically what the Red Raids were, how they stopped. Uh, you know a, little, a nice little history of what's happened I, I can't remember how long that was going on for I'm pretty sure they will bring it up like how long the Red Raids were going on for in, in the world but you know I, I, th- this will just be a remaining theme throughout the, the game I will say that so just be be prepared uh, for that so I mean her next question it, it was natural it was like well she asked about the Oseram
1: who are the Oseram
6: That's my tribe, far to the northwest. We're good at three things. Arguing, working steel, and brewing.
1: And freebooters, what are those?
6: I guess you could say we were mercenaries, warriors for pay. Except a lot more loyal than that makes us sound. Avad couldn't have taken down his father without our metal and muscle. And now some of us serve proudly as his personal vanguard.
1: Your sister was taken captive and sacrificed. That's terrible.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Captive, yes. Sacrificed, no. It takes more than a few cards to finish Ursa. She got away, and now she's my captain. Captain of the entire Vanguard. Favored by the Sun King himself.
1: How did she survive?
6: Oh, well, that's a story, all right, but it takes a while to tell. Maybe another time over a drink or three? Or just come to Meridian and meet her yourself. I think you'd like each other. You're both rather uh, direct.
0: And to me, the Asaram, they, they sound like the dwarves of this world, right? Because the way, the way uh, Aaron describes them, he's like, he's like, we do three things well. Uh, we argue, we work steel, and we brew. <laughs> you know, those are dwarves, man. <laughs> That's what dwarves do. Every game, every fantasy <laughs> world—that's what they do. So, yeah, that's what that sounds like. But they're situated in the northwest, and uh, I will say that in this game, depending on where you are on the map, you will you'll see see a change in how people dress. You know, so you can kind of get an idea of uh, you, a, you see a change in how people dress and the architecture, so you get a, get a feel of where you are. And you know, the Asaram, like I so said, they they are a ton of ruins where they are. Uh, they do a lot of steel work and um you know like like Olin so Olin's a scavenger they probably have a lot of people who do who scavenge and scout and stuff like that because where they're from there are tons of ruins for them to to, to do that in. Uh so she asks about the freebooters and the freebooters are basically like uh mercenaries for hire. You know Aaron says that without them, you know, Avad would have never been able to take down the father. Uh, but now some of them even serve on His Vanguard, like Aaron does. Aaron serves on the Vanguard. Uh, I don't know if Olin serves on the Vanguard. I think Olin was just brought to help with, you know, uh, traveling from where the Karja came from to to the Nora. Yeah. Or to to the Embrace.
3: It was for travel, and uh, Aaron said he wanted a drinking buddy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Travel and drinking. So, was. I don't think he would say this if he was, but that makes me almost believe that Aaron Woods a mercenary if he's a Vanguard now.
0: Yeah. Like I think he was a free, Buddha. if he worked with a VOD to, to, uh, to kill the sun King, then yeah, he was a, he, I think he was a mercenary, but it was, it's one of those situations where even if he wasn't a mercenary, like I don't think so. If the sun King is raiding Asaram towns or villages, and taking and killing people, I don't think like you're like, well, unless you pay me, I'm not going to help you. It's not of like <laughs> those situations. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, even if he, even if they didn't make him a mercenary, um, I think you still have enough motivation to, uh, at least with the Asaram, to get them to help. I think the Nora are, are, are a bit different, you know, because the Nora are probably just like, well, you just, we'll take care of ourselves. We're the chosen people. We'll be fine. you know even though they were they were also getting raided and uh, you know people were being stolen so i don't know but uh yeah i mean he doesn't have to for the story he didn't have to be a mercenary but uh, i guess it works (laughs) you know so uh aloy does ask about sister because the way uh, Aaron brought it up it made it sound like his sister was sacrificed but apparently she was not like she had gotten caught but I guess she never made it to the sacrifice stage, or maybe that's kind of what drove Aaron to join with the vibe. is like, yeah, we got to get the show on the road because they took my sister. Uh, but he doesn't get into what happened. This is something that will be explained a bit later. Uh, you know, he says, uh, actually, this is, I don't think this, this isn't the first instance of him hitting on Aloy." like he tries to hit on her a few times during this, um, this dialogue. We say it's a long story, you know, I can tell you some time, or maybe a couple you know maybe over a few drinks, you know, uh, and he even invites her over to to Meridian to meet his sister, um which I, I forget her name right now Ursa Ursa yes, there that is her name, Ursa, so and apparently Ursa is like the head of the king's guard, or I guess whatever uh military force uh you know protects the king she's in charge of it so she is definitely uh, alive and well Um, i will say one thing about aaron hitting on aloy aaron i'm not exactly sure how how old he is but i can tell you that his model and voice actor were over 40 when they did this part (laughs) (laughs) i can tell you that much um it does seem a little i mean uncomfortable to a degree uh almost because she doesn't even like it's like she's not even really phasing her like she doesn't even understand what he's doing for the most part
3: i mean right? i was uncomfortable because yeah. <laughs> even i picked up on it and i'm oblivious to this kind of stuff and he's like oh well we can get a drink or two or three or like oh yeah we'll look at you and i'm just like oh my god dude stop
0: <laughs> right yeah uh so Alos you know you contained a conversation she asked about the derangement.
3: You said the
1: machines have been getting more dangerous every year.
0: Yeah, I don't have to tell you that right?
1: First I've heard of it.
6: Oh, I'm sorry I just assumed everyone knew. Well the way I hear it 15, 20 years ago, the machines weren't always pissed off like they are now. When a hunter came at them they'd spook and run. So it was hard to take them down, but not dangerous, so long as he was smart enough to jump out of the way. But then the derangement starts up and everything changes. Now when a hunter fires a shot, the machines snarl and charge right at him. A few more years pass and they start attacking people on sight. Going anywhere becomes a major risk. If that wasn't bad enough, entirely new kinds of machines start showing up, bigger, meaner and heavily armed
1: like the sawtooth
6: yeah 10 years ago that one but every couple of years or so something worse comes along believe me
1: so what's making it happen
6: and no one knows and the machines they aren't telling
0: and you know he says it used to be hard to hunt machines but not dangerous uh, and then the machines, like you know, if you shot at them, they started charging at you. And now a lot of the machines will just attack on sight. And so this is what they call the derangement of machines that just keep getting more and more uh, aggressive. And then they said even you know newer machines show up every now and again that are more heavily armed and armored. And you know, like the Sawtooth is like one of those newer machines, and you're gonna come across uh, quite a few machines that are built to to, to you know really hurt you. <laughs> so.
3: That was another point of I just don't think Ross knew um, because he said oh like the Sawtooth is one of the newer machines, but you even said before that was like ten years ago. That's not that new. He just doesn't know what's going on on the outside. Nobody's telling him
0: right. because
3: Aaron was saying that there's a lot more newer dangerous machines that have shown up within the past few years.
0: Right? Yeah. So you're right. Like he can't. He probably wasn't really able to prepare her for that because he's only seen what's like in and around the embrace. So, and it kind of makes sense. Like once you get out to the world and you see where the machines are produced, it makes sense that like, it takes a long time for them to get to the embrace. So, um, but no one knows why this is happening. They just call it the derangement. And, um, you know, from a, from a player perspective, and I don't think this is really spoilerish, but this plot point, does not get addressed until the DLC. Like, this plot point gets addressed in the DLC. Like, it keeps coming up in the main game, but you don't get an actual, like, definitive explanation. And actually, it's funny, because the way the, the main game story kind of goes, you kind of think you might understand why it was happening, but then you get to DLC, and it's like, no, this is exactly why this is happening. So it actually kind of showed a lot of force, uh, forethought on you know what they were going to do with the game of the future like the dlc definitely wasn't an afterthought that's the thing the dlc definitely wasn't an afterthought so yeah and uh, one thing you do get to see the machines actually evolve during gameplay (laughs) so you kind of see the derangement in action and the evolution of the machines are actually triggered by how many times a player kills a specific type of machine you know and different machines have different like triggers essentially, to make them evolve. So one machine type, you might have to kill 15, 20 times, and then it'll evolve. While another one, you only have to kill once. Like, let's say it's a really big or powerful machine. The first time you kill it, the next one's going to evolve, and you have to fight that version of the machine from now on.
3: Well, I'm not killing anything moving forward. just (laughs) going to let them be.
0: Like, essentially, basically, the machines, I think they just get more armor. I don't think they get more weapons. I think they just get more armor. Uh, so like, for example, I know, like I did notice the thunder jaws, like after you kill like a few of them, it's a bit harder to, to, to kill them because like they're a bit more armored, like their weak spots are armored up now. So that's actually pretty cool. And also the machines, they learn like based on how you hunt them, right? Like, so if you use traps or let's say you use a, a high ground to like shoot them or kill them a lot they'll start to stay away from those things. So the game does change a bit. Not like it's not like, you know, you know, they can only change it so much while you play it, but it does present a, a little bit of a challenge. So I think like one of the final questions Aoi had is like, kind of, how did you come to serve the Karja? Cause she's not, he's not Karja. She's he's also
1: If the Karja have such a cruel history, how did you end up serving them?
6: The last King and his men were butchers. But the new king wants peace. There's nothing cruel about that. Besides, the Karja don't just fight, they build. Take Meridian. Next to it, everything else is just a bunch of sticks and stones. Just
1: how big is Meridian? What's it like?
6: Where do I even start? My tribesmen are masters of the forge, the best tinkers in the world. But when it comes to building, the Karja have us beat The city soars over a canyon with more bridges than the Nora have roads and buildings tall as mountains. And across the valley stands the spire, like a blade thrust into the sky, reflecting the sun. You really owe it yourself to see
0: it. So consider that a challenge or an invitation. And so, you know, he just basically brings up that a one at peace, <laughs> you know, and he also brings up that the cards are master builders, apparently, too. And he talks about Meridian, how great it is. And honestly, there is nothing else in the game like it when you get there. <laughs> there is nothing else in the game like Meridian. I hope on the PC they fix the, the FPS issues. Oh, no. Because, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Like Meridian was, was something else. Like when the, when the game first came out, they had, had definitely had its issues. Actually, I'm really hoping. Um, actually by the time these episodes come out, God of War will have made it on PC, and I hope they don't have the same porting issues with God of War as they had with Horizon Zero Dawn, because it was really just it was there there were a lot of like graphical issues. Like even if you had a high-end card, like I was running a 2080 and um for most of the game it was perfectly fine, but Meridian was a problem. Uh at first. At first. And then a couple of patches later it seemed to be working fine. But uh yeah, there's the cards are all really great builders, so you know, if the Osiram are great steel workers, the the uh, the, the are great engineers. Essentially, you know, because that's what that's what makes Meridian impressive. Because it doesn't just you'll see it like it doesn't just um it doesn't just sit in an area like it's built on the side of a mountain <laughs> like basically, so it's actually pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I'm really excited to see it. When he mentioned that, I was like, you know, that's right the the old world and the metal ruins and all of that is forbidden in this area. But I'm really curious on what kind of technology they have and have embraced in these other towns and other tribes and stuff. So I was actually really excited. I really want to see Meridian. So I'm really excited to get there.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, it doesn't take that long to get to Meridian. I think there's like from a main quest perspective it's like, Once you get out the gates, there's like one or two stops and then you head to Meridian. So it's actually pretty cool. Uh, So, yeah, you know, as the conversation comes to a close, Aaron, he shoots his shot one more time.
1: I should make my way to the blessing.
0: Yeah. Look,
6: maybe I shouldn't say this, but it's obvious that you don't belong in this backwater. I mean, you're smart. You're obviously capable. And well, I mean, look at you.
1: Uh, what are you talking about?
6: You know what? All right, If you ever visit Meridian, look me up. I'll show you around, make introductions. it would be a whole new life if you want it. Anyway, I have to go to that blessing
0: thing, too. So, uh, see you around, maybe. Like He, he basically tells Aloy that she doesn't belong in Mother's Heart and tells her to come to Meridian. He says, I'll, I'll give you a whole new life. <laughs> like, he's like, you'll have a whole new life. He's like, look at you. That's what you were talking about earlier. He's like, look at you. And Ailey doesn't ask. She's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I don't know what she means. So, she is completely oblivious to this. <laughs> so, plus, uh, so not to mention, I think uh, I, I read that the the um, Nora don't have, like, what you call traditional, like, marriages and stuff like that, or traditional dating like you basically like, like when the the woman basically picks up like somebody she wants to mate with and like they have like an agreement to have a kid and the high matriarchs have to approve it. That's how huh. that, that's how that goes.
3: <laughs> yeah, it reminds
0: I, me of the Solarians in Mass Effect. <laughs> Sorry.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to think of because you don't really interact with the tribe beforehand, but I can't think of people calling anyone their significant other. I only hear that about brothers and sisters, and that's it.
0: That is true. That's another. I guess that's, that's another giveaway that they don't do things the way other peoples do. You definitely. Like, I mean, the Asaram definitely have like traditional marriages for sure, and probably even the Karja. But I, I pull up the Asaram because you will find out that Owen has a, like a, he has like a wife and stuff. So, like you um. Yeah, like you, they, they definitely have more traditional relationships there. Uh, but yeah, the know or don't. So maybe that's why she's also unfamiliar with him hitting on her like this, because apparently I don't want to say they're the aggressors, but women are the one that typically initiate, you know, when they want to meet with somebody. <laughs>
3: right. <laughs> you know? Also, she doesn't have social skills, right? So if you're not used to interacting with people, you can't pick up like the nuances in a conversation like that.
0: Yes, absolutely. So that also is not helping. <laughs> um, but yeah, finally, it's time for the blessing ceremony. So Aloy heads over there because every participant needs to be part of the blessing ceremony. So uh, Tirsa, you know, so the, the, uh, you know, but basically, the 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 blessing ceremony is uh, the the matriarchs say a prayer and. Everybody lights a lantern, and the lantern flies away. The lanterns are supposed to be made by their mothers, but obviously Aloy doesn't have a mother, so Tirsa made Aloy's lantern. Uh, and, um, you know, when Aloy is looking around, she actually sees, you know, the other, the other kids there. Well, they're not kids, they're 18, right? Uh, this is the Rite of Passage. And she actually sees Rost, <laughs> you know. Not Rost, sorry. Um, oh, God, what's the name Fast. of the... Best the, the
3: Blast? Boss, yeah, there Bost. we go. I was there. I was close
0: the, the rock kid. You know the kid that throws a rock at her face when she was smaller. She sees him, but she can dedicate who her lantern is to, and you can dedicate it to Rost or her mother? Question mark. You know because she doesn't really know her mother, and then herself. So I picked Rost. You know.
3: Yeah, me so, too. Duh.
0: <laughs> it's it's the it's the only way to go. It feels like it's the only way to go. So uh, now I will admit, like I. When I was playing through this for the second time, I actually forgot to talk to Tirsa and the Karja Envoy. You can talk to both of those people right after the fact. Yeah. Uh, I, I talked to Olin, which um, Olin, he really doesn't want to talk to you. Like, uh, yeah, like Olin, he's just kind of standing there and he's standoffish. Perhaps
1: Hello, Olin.
0: You know my name. Ah, uh, guess Aaron told you.
1: Why did you act so strange when we spoke earlier?
4: Must be this festival. I'm really not one for crowds. Maybe I should just turn in.
1: Stop dodging my questions.
4: All right, cool your fire. I got nothing to hide.
1: I've never seen anyone else with a focus. Where exactly did you find it?
4: In a ruin, north of the Claim. That's our name for the Asarum homeland. Up there, the metal seams run deep. Steel giants half-buried in loose soil, forgotten caves that the Old Ones bored into mountain rock. Your eyes just lit up.
1: I found my focus in a cave just like you're describing. A ruin of the Old Ones.
4: If you've delved yourself, you know as much as I do. Go to those places for answers. Not me.
1: When we spoke earlier, you winced, then looked like you were in pain. Or frightened. Did your focus show you something?
4: It didn't show me anything. I told you. It malfunctioned. Happens all the time.
1: Mine's never malfunctioned, and I've had it since I was a child.
4: So yours is in better shape, then. I'm sure the land here is full of relics. Seeing how you Nora are too scared to delve the ruins.
1: Because they think ruins are cursed. But I never said I think that.
4: If the Nora think knowledge is a curse, I'm inclined to agree.
1: What are you doing here, Olin? Why come to Noraland?
4: Eren needed a scout for his expedition and a second for his drinking. That's all. Someone to stop the Sun Priest getting lost. When all this is over, I'm back to delving ruins, rummaging for scrap, scrounging up trinkets to sell.
1: So you're an explorer?
4: Just another Outlander girl. A man's gotta make his shards. I just make mine in service to the King's court. That's all.
1: I don't understand. We have this device in common, but you can't wait to stop talking to me.
4: (sighs) I already have all the friends I need, girl. I don't need the bother.
1: I'm used to being shunned by the tribe. I thought you'd be different.
4: It's nothing personal. It really isn't. You should try to enjoy yourself tonight. Big day tomorrow. Always best to make every day count.
0: (sighs) Uh, but you know, he's pretty short they were doing the conversation. He was friendlier before when he first saw her, he definitely was friendlier. So something has changed. Um, you know, she asks where he got the focus and he's like, it's in a room like yours. If you want some answers, go to the ruins. You know, I don't have any answers for you. She asked him about the malfunction and she wonders if it actually malfunctioned or did it show him something that scared him? And he says it malfunctions all the time. And Aloy's like, I've had mine since I was a little girl and I've never had it malfunction. Uh, you can also call out, call them out for lying, which I did not do. I don't know. Like, well, like I said before, when I first started playing this playthrough, I was not expecting to uh, to, to actually podcast about it. I was literally, I, I record almost every game I play uh, just in case I need to use it, and guess that came in handy. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So you know, I said you know, mine's never malfunctions, but. You know, she acts a bit about about himself, but he basically just repeats what Aaron said, told told us about him, right? He's a scavenger, and that's all he said. And, um, you know, A-Lo, she's a bit upset that, you know, she finally finds somebody that she has something common with, and she that person doesn't want to talk with her. And, you know, he says he has not need with friends, and, you know, she's like, I thought you'd be different, but, you know, something's up because he wasn't like this before. And then it gets really weird when he's like, hey... Uh, you know, you should really focus on enjoying yourself tonight. You got to make every day count. He obviously knows something is up. He obviously knows something's, like, coming.
3: Yeah, it's it's uh, going through everything again. I'm like, he is so suspicious. But it, too suspicious, right? I feel like he has to know something, but, keep it, but isn't evol- involved with something, right? So I think he just has the knowledge. I don't think he's part of it. Because that would be too obvious and i think better of the writers of this game to be (laughs) that obvious um though to be fair when he was like listen i don't need any more friends i I totally feel that like when i was in college i was like i'm not here to make friends like i would ignore not ignore people but i just wouldn't talk to people so i understand that at least but he is very suspicious because he was a little bit more friendly and then aaron walked over and he was like you know what never mind
0: right yeah so yeah now like, that, that after that you're done talking with him but like you like, like I said, like i forgot to talk to teresa after the fact i forgot you could actually talk to her
3: you actually get a um little oh my goodness flashpoint is that what it's called when you pick your yeah
0: the flashpoints yeah
3: yeah so she'll ask you like what you thought about like the ceremony um and the option i picked was i found it beautiful because like Tears says to me she's been nothing but great. So I didn't feel nice, you know, being I didn't feel great being mean. So I was like, whatever, it was beautiful. Um so obviously Aloe's not comfortable with it, but she can see the beauty in it just because, you know, it it was a really pretty ceremony. Um, but there wasn't too much conversation with it. Um she's asking a lot of questions, like, hey, what's going on? Like, what about my birth? What about my mother? What about this or that? And tierce is like, yeah, I can't tell you anything. And that was pretty much the whole conversation.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, I mean, that's kind of the whole point. She's there, right. To kind of force them into talking about it because I don't know if it was something that they were a little open to explaining, they honestly, probably wouldn't have shunned shun her in the first place. Right. Right. So that's the kind of the whole point she that's the whole reason she's here right now. Uh but then did you did you rem- remember to talk to the 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 carja envoy? I Our
3: did. Envoy? He was um also interesting. Um the whole conversation with that was basically um mm-hmm. how Sun King is perfect or whatever. Um and they can't do any wrong and Alois like, "Well, what about your last king who was like killing everyone?" He's like, "Well, the vessel was flawed, uh, and then she asked <laughs> about, well, what about a sun queen and he literally laughed at that question, and he was like, "Sun queen, ah, uh, nah hey,
0: did you hear i'm so, I'm sorry, you were gonna say something else
3: <laughs> well, no, she was just like, Well, I mean, look around, obviously, women run this place, like look at where you're standing, so
0: right, yeah, you need to be a bit more mindful probably. right." So, did you hear the way he was like went, So, this is the part where he's reading the apology and Aaron starts talking to you, but you can still hear him talking in the background. Do you hear the way he addresses the Sun King? Like, no. he's, like he's the, he, he was the, he's like he called him the 14th illuminance in the sunline or something like that. Like,
3: oh my goodness. That's actually <laughs> something I wrote this, but, um, <laughs> She kept asking him questions, and he was answering, and she's like, well, you said a lot, but you didn't really tell me anything. Um, And at the end, she's like, this conversation was very illuminating.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah.
3: (laughs) And he does a little blessing. He's like, may the dawn find you, the day warm you, and the dusk have light to guide your path. And I'm just like, this is so much. Praise the sun, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, you have a very... It's setting up to, for the world to be very religious, at least in these two societies, the Karja and the the Nora. The Asaram definitely feel different. Like I, I off the top of my head, I cannot remember if they have some type of deity they worship or whatever. But it, I, I don't recall. I don't think so. <laughs> and that kind of makes a bit more sense for them, since they seem to be a bit more technology based, technology heavy. You know. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, maybe I'll have something jog my memory once we, uh, you know, get a bit deeper in the game. So after this part, a actually heads over to the Hunter's Lodge, which is where all the participants in the proving will be resting for the night. And that is where we're actually going to stop this episode. And then next week we're going to pick up at the Hunter's Lodge, which is, it's not a lot going on there. Uh, But then the proving, we'll actually talk about the proving and what happens after the proving. So, uh, yeah, this is a major turning point in the story, obviously. Um, The training wheels pretty much, I want to say, are going to be off after this. (laughs) You know, after this, the training wheels of the game are off. So we're going to be into our our actual, you know, main quest. The world is going to open up. But first, we got to get through that proving. So. Uh, yeah, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. And if you want to keep up with what's going on with uh, this show, uh, you can follow us on twitter.com slash TheMashNetwork for updates. Uh, you know, uh, Christina, you got any uh, anything you want to plug? Any any social media or podcast?
3: Yeah, you can find me on social media on Twitter at S'moresPopTart. Same thing on Twitch. Uh, I also have a biweekly podcast for Final Fantasy 14 that covers... Just content and things that are going on in the game, which is Wondrous Tales. And you can find that Twitter at Wondrous underscore Tales, um, just like the the book, the item in the game. And you can find us on a bunch of different audio platforms.
0: All right. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jostradamus. And uh, I sometimes stream on the Mash the uh, Buttons t- Twitch account. So that's twitch at TV slash Mash those buttons. And, uh, you know, we'd love to have you join our Discord community, mash.gg slash Discord. We are going to have, or we should at this point, have a channel uh, for Horizon Zero Dawn and Horizon Forbidden West. So we'd love for you to come and talk about the game and, uh, you know, talk about uh, your experiences and what you think, what you think of the show. We'll have a spoiler channel, too. So if you want to talk about something a bit more, you know, a bit deeper in the game. We're going to go ahead and you know make that possible. Maybe Christina just won't look at it for a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah.
3: I won't touch that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I encourage everybody to you know contact the show with your comments and questions. So you can either do so, you can do it on Discord, or you can reach out to us on Twitter, or you can just send us an email at contactthemash.gg. If you enjoy the show, you want to help us out, uh, one of the best ways to do that is to share the show with others and also to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you want to take support a bit further, you can head over to mtb.gg slash support, and you will see all the ways to support Mash Buttons. That includes Patreon, Teespring Store, Twitch subscriptions, Humble Bundle affiliate links, or you can just make a one-time donation if you feel. And I encourage you guys to stay tuned after the show to hear more about Mash those Buttons. And with that, we are done for this episode. We will see you in the next episode. Bye!